Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Introspectives in HE podcast. We're really excited to share this with you. We've been busy conducting interviews, curating articles, creating artwork, all so that we can provide a platform for us as minoritized women to share insights of our experiences and in turn to generate an insightful and positive discussion of the issues that we are choosing to highlight throughout season one. For the first episode, you'll hear me having a really interesting conversation with Sabia and Serge, two professionals in higher education who, like me, are minoritized women. Before we begin, I'd just like to apologize for the poor audio quality. As you know, this is our first episode. This is also a learning curve for us. So at some points, the audio quality may be poor. We hope this doesn't deter you from enjoying and listening to the episode. So, who are you in higher education? Um, I'm Sabia, um, and I'm a graduate, and I did my undergrad in English, and then I completed my master's. Uh, and then I continued to go and work in the university, so now I'm working with an employability team. Uh, and my main job is to look at how we can support black Asian minority students um, in their studies. Uh, hi, I'm Sarish, and I feel like um, when you ask this question, I feel like it depends where I'm standing in higher education. So when I was a student, um, I did um, my degree in education studies and then I did a master's in education and I feel like uh, at that time I was a student so I used to view higher education in a different way um, whereas now I've started working here as a graduate intern in uh, the, D the Department of Education, Childhood and Inclusion and I feel like being staff it, it kind of makes you view the, the very same space from a different perspective so I guess that kind of defines who I am and it kind of helps to realize who I am and it kind of helps me to find what kind of position I'm occupying in higher education mm. so yeah. um, well based on what you two have said how do you think your experiences in HE are different now that you are no longer students um it's been very interesting because I think that on the other side when you're a student you still face those microaggressions um, but I think for me particularly it was interesting because I didn't realise what was happening until I, I like learnt more about you know um, what microaggressions were and the kind of things that ethnic minority people go through in higher education so it became a lot more clearer to me so for me it was a journey and then being aware of that and then becoming a staff member was also interesting because it's sad to say that actually it's not I, I feel like it's a lot worse not a lot worse but mm. I think it's more hard to handle because when you're a student you're young and I feel like the, I don't know there's almost that age thing where you you understand okay maybe like I'm a, I'm a student and that's a, a lecturer or that's a staff member and they're older than me so they have better knowledge than me whereas when you're a staff member you're supposed to be on the same platform and level as everybody else and yet you see those everyday microaggressions um so yeah for me I felt like that it was a lot I think it's for me yeah I think it's a lot different as a staff member and not in a positive way mm. for me it's like I, I know like becoming becoming a staff member starting to work at the university I feel like 
there's also something that happens before so in terms of like identity when you when you asked about who i am and identity formation i feel like identity formation starts to happen already when you like go to school and whatsoever but i feel like in higher education it becomes more established so because i recently finished my studies and started to work straight after that i feel like i've got a comparison but I've, i feel like also when you you realize very very quickly and very early that you don't belong or there are certain spaces where you have an issue with belonging because of certain kind of encounters that you have and i i, I mean I don't know maybe i can give an example but maybe i can think of something along mm, yeah, because i on, yeah, yeah because i i can't really think of something at the moment but i am i am sure that you you realize really quickly that you have those experiences of different and that you sometimes people have assumptions about you before that when they see you they have a certain picture of you because I do think that there mm. are dominant assumptions about a certain kind of way of being or looking. So being staff, I mean, I had a particular experience where I, I went to buy a coffee at, on campus and um, the the staff assumed that I was a student. So it kind of made me think, okay, does that mean someone who looks like me cannot be mm. staff? So something like that just to think about for me i think that's interesting because you you get that experience from different parts of the university like even when you go for your lunch kind of thing even if it could be in your office wherever it is but that almost sense of oh like you know oh you're working here and it's almost like a privilege kind of thing mm -hmm. that and i think it's interesting about lunch as well is that like i've had a similar experience where somebody will who serves me treats me very different to the person that they've like served before and like I have seen that, like they won't like make conversation or anything like that. Whereas the person behind who's well, like basically they'll be like, Oh, how are you? And how's your day been? And da 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 da. Not to say everybody's like that, but I have seen that on odd occasions kind mm. of thing. But it's interesting because those little things, that sense of belonging, can make a massive difference to how somebody feels in a place. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, do you think the those negative experiences are something that is worth addressing and does it have the potential to change? I think from, because a lot of my work has been gathering that kind of research about, you know, especially from students, their experiences and some of the experiences they've shared is it's been pretty horrific to be honest. And I think that a lot of the time we spend, we talk about our experiences and we share that, but it's almost like where the people, the people who are supposed to be listening, are they listening kind of thing, and are they taking action? So yeah. So for me, I just feel like I feel like we do. I think a lot of people like we do share our experiences, and we do it all the time. But it's a matter of who's listening and who's actually taking action from it. What mm. do you? I feel like for me, the, the, this question in terms of higher education. And because I am from an education department and I've done a degree in education, I think about education a bit more broadly in that sense. And I feel like because higher education has become more of a money-making business in the end, the the incentives of doing things are always kind of linked back to money. So those people, I feel like when I, when I think about what Sabia said about who is listening and who is taking action, it's most likely people... Who are in power who don't necessarily 
need to make the change change because it doesn't really affect them in a sense yeah. but um um it is mostly those people asking for their rights who don't have that equal tr treatment but those on the other side they don't they're not affected by it so what i mean by that is in an ideal world it would be like from an education perspective and if you think about the philosophy of education that education that i feel like if people were asking for their instead of asking for their rights if people were delivering their duties then no one would necessarily need to ask for their rights so um it's for me it's more about pointing at yourself rather than pointing at others but this is what i felt mostly yeah. happens in higher education everyone keeps pointing at you need to yeah. do this you need to do that mm. whereas if everyone looked in their own into the, mm. into themselves but that's the thing those people who have the power wouldn't necessarily look at themselves because it wouldn't really make mm. any change to them that's the thing yeah. and i think that's the major thing it's like because they don't go through those experiences that we go through or that people go through in general and it's like why it's almost like why they're going to go out their way to, to to make change, which is sad, which is really sad. And I think that that's the kind of feeling that you do get. Like, it's almost like, oh, you know, like, yes, we want to make change. Yes, we want to do this. But nobody's actively bothered or yeah. they don't showcase that. Like, just turning up to a conference that's, you know, about, like, being me, Taman and all that doesn't mean that you're all about change. That doesn't mean it. It's like, what are you actively doing day-to-day -to, -day to make a difference well and Sarah she mentioned how and um, it does seem very profit-driven um, and because higher education is very marketized like as you mentioned to be mm. a lot of the higher-ups attend like these posh conferences and it mm. seems to be a tick mark of okay our university has done this has elicited this charter tick mark done but mm. then change doesn't happen at yeah. the lower level which is the mm. issue um anything else you two want to add to this before asking the next question uh maybe we'll we'll come back to that yeah. when you're when you ask the next yeah, question. yeah it is like an ongoing yeah i'm um, so just related to what we're talking about now um, what are your personal and professional challenges in higher education i feel like <laughs> i feel like um they're both tied together. They're very closely tied together. And I was thinking about this earlier and I was thinking, I think my challenges are always, in a sense, linked back to who I am. It's always somehow related to how I am perceived and how I want to portray myself. And it's always like, I mean, in my master's, in my dissertation, I focused on racialized student identity formation. And... I realized that higher education is still very largely informed by white middle class values and that kind of links back to the past so we we kind of sometimes forget that the past inevitably informs the present so that's why we can see all these structures still being there and I feel like me being a woman of color and also identifying from being from a working class background. I feel like all those categories in inverted commas 
I don't tick. And you still have to kind of navigate yourself through. I, I, I know, I know that who I am defines my journey through higher education. It will inevitably, I have no choice because the structures are, are, are that way. They are not designed for me. So if they're not, if a space is not designed for me, then I will inevitably not be able to do as well as my white male middle-class counterpart and I'm aware of that and my and research shows the same and my experiences and my fellow experiences show the same it's about I feel realizing that this is there is not only enough because there are people who say okay this is the case but I feel people don't have the incentive to think of why they need to change it. Mm. I feel yeah. that this link is missing. Mm. They they say, okay, we have to change it. We do need to do something and we need to see all, mm. all these different initiatives of mm. uh, reducing the awarding gap and mm. um, introducing diversity and doing this and doing that. But it is more of a token gesture mm. it's not about identifying okay, why do we need to do this why do we want this so what is our incentive behind it mm. do we want to look nice do we want to genuinely do this because we want to create a harmonious society where people have equal rights where we want to yeah so i completely agree with that because that was so true because you can see that where it's like you have all these initiatives like you said more diversity and more like work and attainment gap whereas however people are still experiencing horrible racist experiences in everyday work in their everyday workplace so it's almost like what where's the incentive are they actually wanting to you know make that difference so mm. i do I, I do agree with that what do you two think needs to change my i think for me it's from what I've learned and from what I'm seeing around working in a higher education institution, it's that it shouldn't be a one-sided conversation where it's just people of colour who are working towards making change. It's got to be a conversation with everybody and everybody, that means including students who aren't of colour as well, to be part of that conversation in order to make differences. Because there's no point, like, if you're just having one group of people doing one thing it's and nobody's aware of everything you're not going to make change that way. I think everybody has to work together and have that same like drive, like you said, to to actually do something. And I, I think building on that as well means that, which is sad, is that you can't just dump all of those challenges on people of colour to deal with. Oh, here you go. Like, you know, you can deal with this issue and I expect them to deal with all of that as well as doing, you know, maybe they're an academic or whatever else they do when they at the university, it's got to be, okay, let's all share out that responsibility and work towards it, like a goal in achieving equity. So, and I think that's the most frustrating thing to see that it's always like, oh, one person, this person will do everything. This person will find out. This person will magically provide us with a solution to why all of this is happening and not realising that actually, no, it's not. It's everybody's supposed to do it. Mm. For me, like one one of the things that I keep keep thinking about is exposure. But I feel like exposure in a sense of people need to have more exposure to difference and more exposure to the obliviousness around them. And I feel like more I'm I'm addressing people who 
are not aware of the structures, who are kind of inside that picture frame and think this is the frame that's always been there. But if we know that that particular frame has been created for a purpose and we're inside of it, maybe the metaphor is not clear enough. I'm, I'm just thinking about if we have a guideline that has been created by someone, then we know that that guideline is created for a purpose. Mm-hmm. So we need to be able to... That's why I think exposure is important because if you're ex- you're exposed to the to to kind of challenge normalized perceptions that are normally around you and you don't notice them, if you start noticing them, then you will be able to critically analyze what's happening around you, mm-hmm. and then I feel you will be more able to put higher education in the context of a wider society and to see what kind of role it plays and what kind of uh, role an individual plays what a classroom plays how a tutor makes a difference how an institution makes a difference and so forth and so forth and so forth so that little ability and i feel like that higher education can do that can do that i think it also has done it at some point Mm -hmm. but um there's too little effort around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a good point. Um, sometimes people actually just don't know because they aren't exposed. So if they are exposed to more of the mm-hmm. urgent issues, then well, that's when they have a choice to care mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. yeah, that's an yeah. excellent point. Um, well, just to try to be slightly positive, <laughs> do you think there's anything that HE is doing right or on the way to doing right? Do you want to go first? I think at least acknowledging that all this is happening. I, and I know that's a bit vague, but I do think that the fact that they're acknowledging that, oh, yeah, like there is a gap or there's all these issues that are going on in higher education. I do feel like that's that's a positive in the sense that, okay, you know what, they know that something's happening. Um, and I mean, I suppose some of the steps they have taken to make, like, starting to make a change. So, I mean, talk about recruitment, maybe. I mean, even though it's not happening, I think. Like, I feel like they need to do a bit more, but at least they've taken those steps to begin with and the conversations that people are having. But it's just making sure, again, it's not just a tick list kind of thing. Oh, yeah, we've acknowledged it and that's it. It's more okay, we're actually bothered about students, we're bothered about staff, um, and we genuinely care, and we want to make that difference and change, and I think that's, I suppose that's the main thing. But yeah, I think the fact that they've acknowledged it is is something. Yeah, I mean, I do think that they make these various, they have made various attempts to kind of understand what kind of equality issues are happening. So identifying the issues themselves. Um, And I feel like from my personal experience, uh, the university has always signposted me to different things where I could maybe go and inspire the students or mm. um, maybe talk to someone. And I mean, I did some volunteering where I went to schools and, and talked to younger kids and then inspired them to go to higher education. And then I always ask myself, OK, why do I want this student to go to higher education if I've got I've had these experiences? Mm. Uh, but I always think of my journey and I think of how higher education has helped me 
as an individual to grow and then that's again where I come back to identity formation because I do think that it helps you to find yourself and it kind of gives you gives you the ability to kind of get out of your usual circle of people and that kind of is again my point of exposure if you if you feel like you learn about new people or new types of people different different people you normally wouldn't know and you learn about your your field of interest your your acquiring knowledge and you're getting more independent you're learning that kind of helps you to grow as a person i do feel feel that mm -hmm. and i think higher education does play a role in that that's why mm -hmm. there's so much emphasis on going and doing a degree or doing your postgrad degree so i do think it is very important but that does not diminish the fact that higher education itself needs to grow keep growing as well absolutely yeah um is there anything that you two want to add so what about earlier um so you said that you might want to include an example of how you are perceiving higher education, like being mm. possibly mistaken for a student versus staff yeah. member. Yeah, yeah. That that I think that experience is rather recent, but I am always I've always been aware of who I am in a sense of the way I look and the way I tell myself, way way I introduce myself, because I am a Muslim woman. I wear a hijab, and it's very visible. Like my identity is very visible. Um, but when I introduce myself as a German, because I was born in Germany, um, and I've, I've lived there all my life, and I feel like my mind works like it, even though I have a cultural heritage, it is always... I, I personally enjoy confusing people using that. <laughs> okay. So, um, But that kind of highlights to me that certain people are supposed to look a certain way mm -hmm. and if they look a certain way they're going to behave a certain way they're going to say certain things and that kind of also shows me what kind of expectations a person has from me and if i know that that is a person who could potentially be my employee or who could be my teacher or who could be my colleague that can kind of impact my everyday social interactions yeah it could impact on me getting the job or not mm. it could impact me having a good office environment it could impact my grades mm. so it's about those perceptions yeah. and i feel like they are seen as i feel like the word assumptions is very small mm. people don't realize that assumptions are very powerful yeah they can change lives mm. so. i think that goes into your sense of belonging doesn't it because it yeah. all feeds into a cycle mm. where it's like people have those particular perceptions of you and then they treat you very differently and then they don't see that they're actually alienating you like from everybody else and i thought it's interesting as well like as a student and as a staff member how that still happens at times yeah just the dimensions are a bit different yeah so but it's kind of still the same surface, I feel. Mm -hmm. It's just a different way mm -hmm. of dealing with it. And then so. I suppose that's higher education, because if we're all about, you know, educating people, and these people are then going to be the future, um, 
I think that we've got to actually challenge those things when they're in in this institution mm. and, and get people to work with different people, expose them to differences because then it's, then it's just a cycle because then these people are going to be leaving and then they're going to be the employers and then it's just a cycle again and again. It's a vicious again. cycle in the end. And that's just the way it works and it's so like frustrating. So I, and I, I do believe that higher education is the place where you've got to challenge things and question mm. these things. Well, just um, one thing about exposure again. Um, so, like when uh, you, uh, you were saying, Serge, like when you encounter people, you have to confuse them. Like, <laughs> Whoa, you're German, what? Um, so, like when I interact with students, and then um, I think for them, the concept that someone um, is Asian American is like cool, um, like different, but cool. So, I think little things like that make a huge difference when mm. you were saying Sabia mm. um you know like they will leave and go on to be employers and employees and just mm. planting like those possibilities in their minds will like show actually diversity is a real thing like just because yeah. you're German doesn't mean you have to be white and speak in ridiculous mm. accents because that's a stereotype <laughs> yeah. you know, like we're all so different we can't like fit into this mm. one neat category um but what about you like is there anything else you'd like to add before we end today? I don't think so. I think we've covered quite <laughs> quite what we were going to say. But I think for me it was pretty much like just, I don't know, like working together and making that difference and making change and like people actually being accountable to it almost. Oh yeah, I think that's um, an important thing. Yes. But I think another thing was like, because obviously you're saying a positive thing about higher education, I think there are some amazing people who do work in HE who are actually mm. passionate about driving change and you do see it. There are very few, but you do you do come across those people who are trying um, and who generally care for their students and generally care for staff members and their team. Um, mm. And about like, you know, diversity and equality and, and that, that does show I just think that we need more of those people in power, to be honest. Um, but yeah, and I mean, just talking about, I think you've talked about like people who are not aware of their privilege almost as well and like not being exposed to. I think that's been interesting to see as well, like how people actually do not know mm. like how privileged they are or that they actually don't know our struggles. And it's, it's, always inter- it's always an interesting conversation when you talk about it. And I think again with that, it's almost like when you do talk about it, it's do they fully understand and I mean for say for people like in HR like if you had a particular experience and in your mind you you know that it's you know you know that it's not necessarily right and you go to complain but HR don't necessarily understand that yeah. so it's almost like it's all these little things in yeah. higher education like it's, it, I know that's everywhere but like it's almost these little things where it's like we, you're right, we do need to expose people to these things and get them to actually fully understand what we're saying. But then in the end, it, it starts with higher education. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, if we think about how we've got more people going to, to university than ever before. So we, we do have a, an inflation, as a sense, a graduate inflation, but that's not a bad thing. We can use that as a platform to inform the future, as in... Those people who were probably not necessarily didn't go to uni and um, are occupying certain kinds of jobs, it's more likely that in the future you will be needing a degree to going on doing those kinds of jobs. So if we start doing this kind of training, or training is not a good word, maybe um, 
uh, development awareness development yeah. yeah development in a sense of realizing positionality and realizing privilege mm. and understanding and exposure in higher education in those different mm. fields because i am from an education department i know that that happens partly in our courses but that might not happen with i don't know science or i don't know all the other types right. of courses yeah. so the, it kind of needs to happen there needs to be a collective effort mm. to inform the future i guess mm. yeah i think like a process i think a process from start to the end okay like there's got to be somebody who's looking at that whole process okay so we're supporting students when they come in staff and how are we like seeing them through their journey and their time it's not like so i mean like obviously when students come in so the transition like transition period and then the first year and then like as they're going through the second year third year kind of thing and for staff it's obviously that you know starting their job kind of thing and just some like a process a set process which captures those experiences and makes sure that everybody is it like i mean people of color are actually having a positive experience and there's almost that system in place i don't know if that makes sense like yeah, there's yeah. something that i don't know there's a, there's a rigid system in place which looks at everything i don't know if that makes sense well no it doesn't i i think i don't know how you feel about this but i think the reason why we feel like so passionate about these issues in higher education is because we hold it to a higher standard mm. i guess it's because we typically associate higher education with very like liberal and open spaces mm, yeah everyone's coming together for their education yeah. um but just to realize that um you know senior administrators just simply don't care that's that's the issue and that's what's um just keeping this dichotomy between groups of people consistent. Mm -hmm. You know, I do have, I did encounter people, white people in HR and other departments when I shared something that I've gone through. They said like, oh, I didn't know. What do I do? And that, that's the difference. Mm -hmm. And I like, oh, I care. I want to do something. Mm -hmm. um, both of you have pointed out it, it's exposure and collaboration. So now it's, how do we- Collaborate if they do. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. the, the, yeah. the next step? Did you all want me to say something? I <laughs> want to um, do you want to add anything to that before we finish? Say that again. So how do we collaborate then? I mean, right. I don't, how it do might not be like a yeah. simple answer. We might have to explore it later on. Um, I feel um, for me, sometimes this might sound a bit weird, but sometimes you have to create a situation where people can't escape but to listen and <laughs> yeah. uh, not in a mean sense but maybe sometimes uh, just uh, something came to my mind which is in german it wouldn't really make sense <laughs> if i say that but sometimes uh, th that that idiom basically says sometimes you have to force people f to their own luck so it basically like that. that kind of means that people might not know this is really beneficial for example something's happened at the university there's a really nice event we should go and listen to it and um people say oh no it's about race uh, i don't really think that's really that's, that, that, no no that's not really that doesn't really relate to me yeah. because that's what we've been taught that race has to do something with people of color mm. but whereas for white people race is might be in, in inexistent 
or it's more like a proxy state. It's like a state that is raceless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, whereas if we think about race as the word, it, it kind of implies human race. Mm-hmm. So there is only human race. There's only one. Mm-hmm. So that means it concerns, concerns us all. To learn, I feel like for me, to learn about race in, from that perspective and uh, has kind of made me realize that it's everybody's concern. Mm. So, for example, there was something happening. I would say to my white friend, come on, let's go to this. And mostly the reaction that I get, I don't know, it's about race, I don't think so. But that doesn't mean I would stop saying okay come on this is really nice let's go to this do something let's have this nice conversation let's have that little conversation let's have that little coffee over let's think about that together um and always like little portions i feel of not being afraid yourself i mean i'm talking about people of color being a person myself being a person of color myself of not being afraid mm-hmm. as well to talk yeah, about it because it's I think it's a historical kind of process that we think we should not talk about this we should mm-hmm. just rather keep quiet head down yeah. walk forward do your thing try your best and you're gonna get it somewhere mm-hmm. but at some point we have to address it we have to keep addressing it can't stop mm-hmm. it's a process yeah. So, and kindness, mm-hmm. I think kindness is always very powerful for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like kindness has always brought me somewhere mm-hmm. where I could people to, uh, I kind of could uh, inspire people to come or to do something or to take part in something or mm-hmm. changing their perspectives even. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I suppose with that then as well is obviously because you were saying how do we, then collaborate with these people if there's like a barrier there I suppose for them it's almost like having that set policy and system in place where it's like okay if you go through this experience I then can come to you and I can trust you to then deal with Mm. what I'm saying and putting that in place because obviously like you said it's it's an uncomfortable conversation but you've got to keep at it and I think sometimes you do get to a point where you're like I've had enough, like, I need to say something, like, I'm not, I'm, I no longer can stay quiet about this anymore, and it's almost finding the guts to, to say, you know what, this is what I'm going through, and, like, speaking up about it, and, like, it could be, like, even, like you said, the small microaggressions that you face, those assumptions that people make are big things, there are massive things, and it's just finding that courage to, to actually speak up and say things, and, but then making sure that on the other side, there's, like, we know that we can trust those people yeah. to deal with it because I think I think that's where we I think I suppose that I think that's where we're failing in HE where it's like, okay, all these people have got their experiences, they're telling me about it, but we don't know how to deal with it and or maybe that they like they comp- like whatever they're doing, complaining or whatever, but they're getting nothing in response to it. So it's what are yeah. we actively doing? Yeah. Actually. You can't like I, I mean I know I said all these things about opening up, but I do also realize that it's not every battle yeah. can be. F- you can't yeah. really fight every I battle by yourself, so you mm, kind yeah. of have to kind of slay mm. one dragon at a time. Uh, <laughs> <for now. laughs> so I think that's another thing. I think that's something that we've both learned as well. I think which is like you can't fight every battle. Pick your battles, kind of thing, yeah. and don't take everything on your shoulders. Like. Mm especially in higher education and as a person of colour 
do what you can. Yeah. Not everything is for you to, yeah. to sort out. It's not, and it, like, it's often the perception, I'm sorry, I keep talking. <laughs> uh, it's often the perception that it is people of color who have to teach white people yeah. about race. Oh, but um, <laughs> that I have to re- keep reminding myself as well. Yeah. It's, it's not my responsibility. There's only so much I can do, but that does not mean I will stop doing it. Yeah. But there there are certain things where I will stay quiet and there are certain things where I will say, okay, this is this, this is that. So, yeah. All right. So that was our first episode, our first conversation with Sabia and Sarish. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and check out the articles and the transcription on our website.